1: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill, and Professor Gershon. Hello, how are you doing this morning?
2: Good morning, Liz. It is uh, great to be here this morning with you. Beautiful day here uh, throughout Mississippi, and um, we're happy to welcome Eric Brown, attorney Eric Brown to the show today. He is general counsel for the Mississippi Department of Public Safety. Uh, and uh, Mr. Brown, good morning. I know I know you've been a public defender and uh, and also you work with the Mississippi Judicial College as well, but could you tell us a little bit more about your background
0: and uh, how you came to work with the department? Sure, thank, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, look, I've grown up in Mississippi, been here my whole life. Um, Look, I'm from Terry, Mississippi. Nobody really knows where Terry is, but if you tell them, hey, you go south of Jackson, then there's Byram and then south of Byram is Terry. That's where we grew up. Um, my parents uh, helped me out as much as you can imagine to get me to this point and just kind of kept going to school probably longer than they wanted me to. Uh, and, and here I am now uh, as an attorney for working for the Mississippi Department of Public Safety. And um, we're doing a lot of good things here and I'm really happy to be a part of this team. Uh, it's, it's very uh, very beneficial a job to work with, because we honestly believe that we can try to help as many people as possible by understanding issues that they're having in the general public, and if they can bring them to our attention, then it's our job to try to help as much as we can. Well,
2: let me ask this. I mean, you, you went from being a public defender to uh, now uh, serving in uh, at, you know, as the general counsel for the Mississippi Department of uh, Public Safety. How does one do that? I, I know I have students who listen, and they want to know about career paths for lawyers. How- how, how do you get in? How do you become general counsel for um, uh, the you know a state
0: department like the Department of Public Safety? It's, it's funny you ask that. I, I probably say this way too many times, but I think 25-year-old Eric would have not liked this job as much as 42-year-old Eric likes this job. Um, when I was uh, in undergraduate uh, school and obviously through law school, I wanted to do anything I could to get in the courtroom. I really, really liked the idea of the – psychology of jury persuasion and trial advocacy and this understanding that you really can get better at this if you work at it. And I spent a lot of my time in law school, probably with way too much time in the courtrooms, learning what people were doing and what I thought I maybe should not do. That's kind of set me up on the path that I was on to take a position that put me in the courtroom. While I was there, I had some worthy adversaries on the other side. um, And some of those that I worked as an adversary against asked me later on in my career, hey, would you like to come over here with us and help us at DPS what we're doing? I honestly had to look it up to see what they were doing uh, to see what divisions the Department of Public Safety represented and what that meant. And the more I looked into it, I thought, this is something I would be interested in doing now at this time in the career. So that was in 2018 when when I made the move over here and now I've been here for about three and a half years.
2: Right. And, and uh, we, you know, one of the things that um, the Department of Public Safety does that most people know about is licensing for drivers, and we had a show in the past about Real IDs. Can you please remind us about what Real
0: IDs are and why they're important? Sure. So, uh, I think there's a, a lot of information out there for people to access, and some of that might be correct, and some of it might be a website that's putting things out there that might not be exactly what you should. So. I like to tell everybody, try not to get your legal advice from Facebook, try not to get your legal advice from Twitter, and try to go to the source as much as you can. Uh, and this basically comes from uh, federal guidelines that have been provided to the states um, as far back as after 9-11. Um, I think y'all hit on this the last time you talked about this professor, but you know, after the 9-11 Commission made it clear in their report, hey, we've got to do better on this, and we've got to put some standards out there for the states to follow. And what is it we can do to provide some help to those states? Um, and in a nutshell, they they basically said, you know, secure identification should begin in the United States. The federal government should set standards for the issuance of birth certificates and source of di- identification such as driver's licenses. And before this, you really had a lot of different states doing a lot of different things when they were issuing licensing. And so. You didn't have a set standard across the nation and what we have now is a set of rules and guidelines that say hey if you're issuing a license or an id to someone here are the requirements you must have for it to be a federally backed real id and that real id uh basically uh in a nutshell says hey we know this person is who this person is we have gone through the process to verify their identity we know who they are. We know their date of birth. This person on the license is actually this person. And before then, I don't know that you could say that as much. Um, I'm sure that every state was doing everything they could, but there really were not a lot of requirements out there that, that put them in a place that we're in now. Well, and so we know, I
2: mean, 9-11, obviously, that was, it's hard to believe, but it was 20 some odd years, almost 21 years ago. Um, and, and we're just now implementing... Real IDs. Uh, COVID derailed some of the timing of that implementation. Can can you tell us when when will we need uh, to before we can get on an airplane
0: um, a, a real ID to travel? Yeah. So the enforcement date is May third of twenty twenty three. Uh, the federal government has has obviously cha- made that change quite a few times along the ways, uh, and basically the problem was states had issues with getting these this implemented. mississippi is way ahead of the game to be quite honest with you Um, our numbers across the state are probably higher than most other states because when this started coming down the administration back then made the decision of like hey let's let's transition what we're doing to issue real id now let's not wait till later let's do it now so most people probably have a real id in their wallet and they don't even realize it Um, If you you provided your birth certificate, your social security card, or a document that had your social security number on it, and you provided two proofs of residency when you received your license way back when, we've got those on file. And so when you come in to get your license or get an update or renewal, uh, we can see that we've already got those uh, documents in place and we'll then issue you an ID that has that gold star that everybody's looking for.
1: We're talking today with Eric Brown, general counsel from the Mississippi Department of Public Safety. We're talking about real IDs, but we're also learning what the Department of Public Safety uh, goes on there and what you may need to know. You can email us your questions. That address is legalterms at mpbonline.org eric remind us uh professor gershon did mention we'll need it to fly uh, as soon as this may 3rd 2023 happens to get on uh, any kind of commercial airplane you'll either need a real id or a passport is that right
0: yes ma'am so basically you'll need a real id to do three main things accessing certain federal facilities. you know, Most people won't run into that problem, but accessing uh, certain federal facilities is gonna require you to have that real ID. The second thing is which most people will run into is boarding uh, any federally regulated commercial aircraft. And what that means is even if that, uh, that flight is only a domestic flight and is only gonna go from Jackson to Memphis, you're still gonna have to have that real ID because it's backed from that federally federally regulated commercial aircraft. And then obviously the third one, in that rare event, anyone's out there gonna enter a nuclear power plant, you're probably gonna need that real ID after May 3rd. So that's not gonna affect a lot of people, but you, you said earlier that this is a call-in show. We're used to that call-in because at the Department of Public Safety, at the legal department, we we get a lot of phone calls. We get a lot of people asking a lot of questions, we try to help when we can. Uh, but those are the three main areas that are there. I do want everyone to know that it's not you, there. There's a, a misconception out there that kids are going to have to have real IDs and everything else. While we do as a state of Mississippi issue IDs for uh, people as young as six years old, a, a minor uh, under the age of 18, if you're with a companion when you're flying, as long as that companion has a real ID, there's not going to be a requirement for minors to have to have that real ID to board that aircraft well yes after may beginning may 3rd though if you're going to get on the aircraft you're going to have to have that uh real id to to board the plane you're not going to get through security uh from the front end to even get that far into the into the building
1: shout out to grand gulf in port gibson and my hometown is home to arkansas nuclear one and two so though there are even in mississippi you know nuclear facilities
2: well, and, and uh, this is really great information, and as Eric mentioned, well, I, Mississippi was ahead of the game. I mean, if, uh, when I got my license years ago, I had to show all the, the same information that is necessary to get a real ID. Um, I did notice when I renewed my, my license a couple of years ago, it did not have a star on it. So I sent in, I got a duplicate license, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. had the star on it. So it, it, if you don't have a star on it, I think the thing to do is to, to get a duplicate. And how did people do that?
0: Sure. So if you've got a license right now and you notice, hey, I don't see the gold star on here, we're not going to require you to pay the full fee to get the entire card all over again. All we're going to charge you is the card stock fee, which is the 11 bucks for a duplicate license. So you'll come in and say, hey, I've got this one. I'd like to get a real ID. You'll end up with the same expiration date as you have before. And we'll, as long as you bring the documents that we need to verify your identity, then we'll be able to provide it.
1: You can send us an email to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org, with your questions. We're discussing the Department of Public Safety and General with General Counsel Eric Brown. So, of course, you want to skip the line at the DMV. I'm going to tell you how to make an appointment next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
3: auto correct helpful especially on coach charlie's tip of the week listen to our podcast with me coach charlie melton on any podcasting platform or on the mpb public media app
1: this is in legal terms now not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live so if you've missed any of our program you can listen to the whole show inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. That's our website. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. There are so many reasons you might need to go to the Department of Public Safety regular driver's license, learner's permits, disability ID cards, firearm permit applications, out-of-state driver license transfers, or sex offender registration. But if you start with ms.gov, That's so easy to remember, ms.gov. From there, you can click on Driving in Mississippi or one of their other getaways, gateways to other Mississippi agencies. But if you want to get an appointment to get your driver's license fiddled with or get a different permit, ms.gov. And then that'll take you to Driving in Mississippi, and then you can click on Getting an Appointment. This morning, we are talking about the Department of Public Safety with Eric Brown, General Counsel with Mississippi Department of Public Safety. We have a call from Bay St. Louis. Uh, Joe, we're so glad you've called in today. What's going on with you?
3: Well, first, I want to thank you for taking my call, and I appreciate that your program is on. Um, My question is a really in-depth question, to be honest with you. I mean, we all know that we have the right to have our persons and papers to be ourselves and things like that. But my big question has to do with, if we're going to be kept from certain federal facilities, how does that jive with our freedom of redress of our grievances that's given to us in our First Amendment rights?
2: Well, if I can, maybe I'll I'll take a shot at that. I mean, one one is, uh, you know, our First Amendment rights are are not— Unlimited. I mean, no, you know, the, the person that writes a speech uh, uh, and, and, and so, you know, there are time, place and manner restrictions that, that the, uh, so, so, you know, if I want to, if I want to uh, uh, protest at city hall, typically I can do that myself. But if I want to have a, a, a group of people come, we, we probably need to get a permit. We probably need to make sure, you know, that we're not going to block traffic or, or things like that. So there are those kind of restrictions. Um, and, you know, there are, you um, I mean, I think you know to get on a plane, uh, we give up some rights to get on a plane to to be searched and to be. I know that's not First Amendment, but uh, because we know that um, you know safety and is a, is an important aspect of of flying, and and uh, you know and so as we mentioned nine eleven. So I do think you know it is. There's a balance there, and. Um, uh, I, I, you know having an ID to get into a federal facility you know a driver 's license with a real ID stamp on it when most when most states are going to be um, providing those is is a small thing to have to do to be able to get into that that facility um, Eric do you want to add
0: anything to that or I would just say generally that the Department of Public Safety has no real official stance on on that type of issue, but I would remind anyone just as a regular attorney that I think the issue is reasonable access, right? You know, it's not about just full fettered, unfettered access to a building, it's reasonable access to it. So I think uh, in any issue where there's a, a state agency that issues credentials, uh, which, which is what Department of Public Safety is, we issue those credentials, which then allow that person to be in compliance with any regulations that other agencies or other uh, federally owned buildings have.
1: Thank you, Joe. We appreciate you calling in. And Eric, with COVID, all kinds of changes have happened. You don't have to take a driving test for your license anymore? What's that about?
0: Yes, that's, that's a good good, good question. I get that one quite a bit. Uh, I don't know that that one had much to do with COVID, but I would say this. I'll, I'll ask everyone who has a license to go back in the memory bank and think of the time that you took your driving test and, 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 and just remind yourself how in depth that driving test was. I remember being uh, 15 years old and driving in Cook Center in South Jackson off the McDowell Road in a parking lot where I went to the end where there's a stop sign, I took a left, I took another left and turned back around and came in and all of a sudden I was deemed a, 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 a wonderful driver worthy of an a- access to a, to a driver's license. The reality is that no one really learns to drive during the road test. Uh, People learn to drive by having behind the wheel uh, experience with another driver. And the way that we have it set now is the statute was amended. Uh, 63-133 was amended back in 2020. And it said in lieu of the driving test, a guardian parent can uh, attest through affidavit by saying, hey, I've been with this person for." at a minimum of 50 hours of driving and they have an idea of what they're doing and they'll be okay Uh, just like anything that comes through experience i don't think anyone has really learned to drive through the road test i think you on the first end of the uh, of that process is obviously the written test the written test is still there so anyone that wants a driver's permit is going to have to be tested to understand they know what they're doing uh, but then that that experience comes through the permit
1: We have a call from Yazoo County. It's Bobby. Bobby, we're glad you've called in to In Legal Terms Today, where we're speaking with Eric Brown, General Counsel from Mississippi Department of Public Safety. What's your question or comment?
4: I have a concealed carry firearm permit, and I've had it probably 28 years, and they have something called an enhanced firearm permit. Does that give me the right to go on private property where there's a like place of business where they have a no-firearm permit, uh, no firearms
0: allowed. Eric, what can you you do
1: with an enhanced uh, permit?
0: Yeah, so when it comes to the Firearm Permits Division, I defer a lot of their updates that they have to have through federal regulations, uh, and I defer to them on a lot of that. I would just say this, that... um, a lot of people have firearm permits, and I think they you know, feel that the need that they have to have them. Uh, we're a constitutional carry state, so sometimes you don't even really have to have that firearm permit to do what it is you're probably wanting to do. That enhanced carry permit is not gonna allow you to violate any other issues out there, but it's gonna give you um, a little bit more access than, you're, than you have. So what I will say is this, and I hate to say this, Bobby, These are all case-by-case scenarios and I don't want to give a blanket statement that then uh is then perceived to be advice on something else and typically to be quite honest with everybody the Department of Public Safety doesn't give advice on to individuals on what they can or cannot do with it Uh, we'll give you the law uh, and we'll try to provide you as much access to the information as possible but we don't want to be in a scene where one person says well I talked to them on Tuesday and they said x and another person says, well, I talked to somebody on Wednesday, and they said, why? So I would just say 459101 is our statute that deals with gun permits. Um, I, I think most gun owners are very well aware of what that is. Uh, and I think if you'll uh, pay attention to that statute and read what it says, you'll know what you can and cannot do.
1: Bobby, we'll have a copy of that statute on the show information for this page. We appreciate okay. you calling in today.
4: All right, I have that they give it to you when you get your firearm permit what that is this enhanced uh, attachment to your firearm permit is that a state attachment or is that some kind of training school attachment it,
0: it is issued through the state uh, so that that's correct it's not anything to do with the federal government or anything like that but uh, I, I'm not sure I understand the last part of your question Bobby
4: uh, uh, you have to go through training. It's like three days and they charge you for it, but the state don't do it. You have to get a, a certified police officer to do it.
0: Yes, that's correct. So to, in order to get the enhanced carry permit, you're going to have to go through that extra training. It's not handed out like baseball cards or bubble gum. You know, you've got to do the more uh, stringent requirements there, and it's going to have to be taught by someone who the department has already authorized to teach that, uh, that class and that course.
4: I thank you very much you've answered all my questions
0: all right glad to hear it
2: well that gets us to Eric I mean I we have uh talked about driver's license but department of public safety and we've also talked about um um, firearms permits as well which go through uh, the department of public safety but that there are other lots of other divisions And, and can you talk about some of those other divisions and what do they do for example uh they're the bureau of narcotics
0: Yes. Yeah, so the Department of Public Safety is is much larger, I think, than most people realize, simply because of the number of divisions that the statute has has provided to us. So, I always I'll, I'll quote my my first boss on this. He said a, a code lawyer is a dangerous lawyer, and that means, to me, that a lot of lawyers out there simply I think retell what they've heard before, without actually sourcing the material. Uh, and in this context, I would say. 4512 provides the Department of Public Safety the authority to handle certain divisions Um, in that we have the Office of Safety uh, Public Safety Planning we have the Highway Patrol we always have the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation we have the Office of Forensics Laboratories which is inclusive of the Forensics Lab the Crime Lab that everyone knows about and the State Medical Examiner's Office we have the Law Enforcement Officers Training Academy we have the Office of Support Services MBN uh, Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics, like you said, Professor, um, Office of Homeland Security, Office of Capitol Police, and most recently, the uh, Commercial Transportation Enforcement Division. So there's a lot of issues going on with the Department of Public Safety, um, and we get lots of interesting phone calls and questions all the time. Uh, and we try to help the employees that we have all over the state uh, handle the issues that they've been uh, required to handle. So. Uh, I don't know which one you want to talk about first, so we've got lots of them. To well do hang with. on, you know,
1: before we jump into hearing these, um, hearing all of this, you've given us a good overview. Let's take a break and then we'll dig in a little deeper. You can email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with Eric Brown, General Counsel with Mississippi Department of Public Safety, about real IDs and other facets of the Department of Public Service. And I know a very fun way to stay up to date with Mississippi Highway Patrol. I bet Professor Gershon does this. I'll tell you what this is next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: Hey there, it's David Green. You know, there comes a time when you've just got to let go of that old vehicle. Maybe it has lots of great memories, but it's also maybe just taking up space. And selling it can be such a hassle. So here's one thought. Let this station take that vehicle off your hands. Proceeds from the sale benefit this station, and you could get a tax break. Thanks.
3: Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org.
1: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, or you can just find MPB Think Radio recordings at mpbonline.org slash radio. This morning, we're talking about needing a real ID with our guest, General Counsel for the Mississippi Public Safety Department, Eric Brown. Now, if you would like to stay up to date with road conditions, Mississippi good news, just follow on Twitter at MS Highway Patrol. We do have an email question. This one is from Jack Jacqueline.com. Jacqueline is transitioning to Mississippi after retiring from the army and has a real ID issued in virginia is that is not expired Does uh, Virginia need to provide the same documentations again for verification in Mississippi Eric is this something that you can speak to do individuals who are getting a Who are moving to mississippi do they need to bring in all of their documents again or can a real id just transfer
0: yeah typically if you've already received a real id backed credential from another state there will be no issue in getting that one issued here in the state of mississippi there may be a question though so even though you've got it and and everything's on the on the up and up you're more than likely going to be just fine but there could be an issue within our system that when, when trying to get those documents from the state of Virginia to verify what they have, it could be, you know, like we have issues with computers and everything else uh, where we would need to ask you to bring that back in uh, to verify. But for the most part, that's not going to be a problem. If a state has already issued a real ID and you move to our state and then get a state issued credential from Mississippi, it will also have that real ID uh, backing.
1: Well, and I know just from public uh, personal experience with my son, who's moving states and moving jobs, you need to keep that social that original social security card and that original birth certificate handy where you can get at, so it doesn't get lost, and in case various individuals might need to to take a look at that in an official capacity. But hang on to it, don't lose it, but keep it handy. We have another email. This one is from Eric. Uh, And I don't know. uh, uh, No, this one. No, this is this was saying go, Eric. Okay. Um, (laughs) this one. I think his name was Jordan. Uh, How has skip the line program affected the speed and efficiency for people to obtain their driver's licenses since the program began i'm just going to go ahead and say i have wasted two entire days with kids getting licenses from eight in the morning to four in the afternoon being at the dmv so the the skip the line have you had water cooler talk do you know how this uh, has worked out now
0: Sure. So I would like to think that that your issues were prior to the past two years. Is that right? So okay. So because in the past two years, it feels like we've made moved mountains as far as uh, making things better for customers. Instead of looking for ways to make it more difficult for people to obtain credentials, we've really uh, shifted our our focus to customer uh, to the customer. What can we do to help them? The Skip the Line program has helped so much in so many ways. Now you can go online, make an appointment, and when you get here, you literally get to skip the line. You will then maybe upset the four or five people that are standing in front of you, but you're gonna be given deference because you took the time to make that appointment. So when you make that appointment and you show up, you're gonna get to skip the line uh, and get that license or get the, the work that you need done here. I like to remind everybody that a lot of times people show up at our brick and mortar locations when it's possible that what they're wanting to do is a function that we can accomplish uh, online so before you make the trip for however long it is to get to the driver service bureau location closest to you check the internet to make sure that what you want to do is not something you can do online
1: fantastic. We now have a call. Uh, let's go to Olive Branch and speak with Rick. Rick, we're so glad you called in today. It's a great day. We've got Eric Brown, General Counsel for the Mississippi Public Servant Public Safety Department as our guest. What's your comment or question?
3: Well, I, and I hope um, I hope what I'm asking is in line with your program. If it's not, you can tell me to shut up and I'll go away. But anyway, um, I had a health situation where I had a bypass done, uh, was already back at work eight months after uh, the bypass, and the wire that they used to tie my sternum back together broke in three places. Uh, Back in the hospital I went, they took the wire off, they put plates on, uh, I was heating up from that, that got infected. Uh, They ended up taking my sternum completely out. And now my quality of life just absolutely sucks. I mean, I'm, I'm back at work, uh, but that's not a good thing because of the ki- ki- type of work that I do. I'm not looking for advice. I'm looking for an opinion. Is this something that I need to see an attorney about?
4: I can I can pose it to him I can Professor Gershon. I, I can't, I'm
2: well I'm sorry you're going through all that that's you know that sounds horrible and, and we you know that's I, I definitely you need to to talk to a lawyer about that um, because you may have a cause of action I can't give advice on that um, whether you do or not because I you know I don't know the facts completely but um it sounds like you need to talk to a lawyer and a lawyer uh, could uh could give you the the appropriate advice about what to do from there right. uh, but i mainly hope you yeah, go ahead well,
3: well uh, my, my, I understand this might not necessarily be a doctor's uh situation or a doctor's fault uh because the wire itself broke i mean it sounds like a product situation or you know uh, what they use and, and i you know I'm not looking to To make any kind of a millions or anything like that, I'm just, because like I said, before the wire broke, I was back in form and wouldn't have any problems. But now after they took my sternum out, I am, I mean, to the point where I can't even pick my grandbaby up. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that way.
1: Rick, we had a program just, I think it was two weeks ago, when we had someone from the Mississippi Bar on the show. That was a fantastic show, and that is a fantastic organization. Their website is msbar.com dot org and they have a place where you can they don't suggest lawyers but they do have a find a lawyer and they also uh... have said in the past a number of lawyers when you first contact them might have an initial Uh, conference with you without a fee so if you maybe go to the msbar.org you can take a look to see if there's a lawyer that's convenient to you that specializes in the area you think you might need you could give them a call and see if they could have a consultation with you without any charge and they would be able to give you better they would be able to give you uh, a, a course of action at least we hope that because we have some great lawyers in Mississippi. So, Rick, we're glad that you've called in. We hope that you'll go back maybe and listen to some of our old podcasts. And do try that msbar.org website.
2: It's a Rick's question, Liz, real quick. Um, yes, I mean, medical devices do fail. Uh, and, uh, and can uh, there are there is litigation around medical devices, but that's where you need to talk to a lawyer who does that kind of litigation, and we wish you only the best. All right. Um, well, let's let's turn our attention back to um, to the Department of Public Service Safety, uh, if we can. And, and uh, we were talking about some of the divisions that that you deal with, and that sounds like a lot for the the General Counsel's office to have to deal with the Bureau of Narcotics, the Bureau of Investigation, the Highway Patrol, the, the Driver Service Bureau. How does all, all the, how do they all work together? How does that happen?
0: Yeah. Luckily, we have uh, we have legal help that is exclusively devoted to the Missouri Bureau of Narcotics because they handle some issues that are very specific to their uh, needs. And so they've got their team of attorneys that work just for them. But the rest of us here at headquarters here in Jackson, we handle all the other issues. So anything else that's not MBN is it comes through us in some way or fashion, form or fashion. I'll say this though, it helps to have good leadership obviously. And you know with Commissioner Sean Tindall uh, at the helm, he's put some people in place that have really made it a lot easier to digest uh this whole thing because it's a lot it really is but we have a a, our our deputy commissioner uh, of operations uh, keith davis has been instrumental in putting people in place to kind of help revamp this driver service bureau and make it better and that's just the one that most people know about right so most people's uh, interaction with the department of public safety uh, is going to be through getting their license but we just like people to realize that hey there's a lot of other things that are out there that we do Uh, Yeah, you may have gotten a a, a citation from a Mississippi Highway Patrolman, but that's not the only other division that's out there.
1: Eric, we did get another email um, wanting you to repeat the required information to get a duplicate license in Mississippi. And while you're thinking about that, I will just go ahead and mention one more time that website. MS.gov oh. is a fantastic first step for going to any Mississippi agency. Oh, right. If you go to MS.gov, you can then go down to right, one, driving in Mississippi and then that'll take you to the the driver's license webpage and you can set up an appointment. You can also read on their website what you might need to bring. But a lot of our folks don't have access to the Internet, and they listen to our show live. So, Eric, what what would you need to take in to get a duplicate license so that you can get that yellow star to show that it's a real ID on your driver's license or Mississippi identification card?
0: Right. So anybody that's making an application for any driver's license is going to have to have – four documents to start things off. They're gonna need, first of all, a, a birth certificate. There's just really no way around it, right? You're gonna have to have a birth certificate so we can say, hey, this gives us a valid date of birth for this person so we know who they are. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. The other one that people need is uh, a social security card or something that has your social security number on it that has already been issued by the federal government. So in other words, Most people have a W-2 sitting around somewhere, right? The W-2 is going to have that Social Security number on it. So maybe you don't have access to the Social Security card because you lost it, but you probably have access to a document that the federal government has issued that has that Social Security number on it. And then, of course, we need to show that you are living where you say you are. We need two proofs of residency. So those are really the four documents that we need, a birth certificate, something with a Social Security number on it, and two proofs of residency. They can come through a cable bill or a telephone bill or something that's coming to your house that shows that you are living where you say you're living.
1: Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and use that. Go ahead, Eric.
0: I was to say you can use all that uh, to get any license, but if you've already been issued a license before, we more than likely already have those documents on file. So to get that duplicate license, we can probably issue it to you unless you did not provide it on the front end.
1: Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell a story because this is a cousin who lives in another state. So this is not in Mississippi, but she had lived with her sister for 40 years and all of the... Information about the house was in the sister's name and she had never had anything on it but you know they went to church with the lady who worked at the water department and so they put her name on the water bill and then she was able to show that proof of of residency at that house that she'd lived in for over 40 years but uh, yeah you you mentioned the I need a social security number document a birth certificate and something that shows your street address we can take your questions on our email address that's folks you've been a good job this week putting in those emails today good for you everybody eric our email address is legal at mpbonline.org eric brown from the mississippi department of public safety is our guest If you would like to help make Mississippi a safer place by providing information regarding possible drug trafficking or illegal drug sales, I'll tell you how you can do that next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So we mentioned that the... The Department of Public Safety is over a broad range of departments, and one of them is the Bureau of Narcotics for Mississippi. And so if you have any information to help keep Mississippi safe, you could call their tip line. That is 1-800-844-6272. Once again, the Bureau of Narcotics tip line to help keep Mississippians safe is one 800 844-6272. Real quick, before we go to the phones, we had a question in the studio, Eric. If an individual is going to get their learner's permit, if they're under 18, uh, their license, if they're under 18, do they have to have something that shows their address?
0: yeah so we're gonna have to have a school verification form uh, unless they are not no longer in school so that'll usually work with that but typically what'll happen is the parents will come in with them or provide some kind of uh help in that area and then when they're a minor it's 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 okay you know we understand they're not going to have bills uh sent to 16 year olds unless you're making your kid pay your cell phone bill you know that'd be nice but if you're not it's okay parents come in. Uh, they sign off on their application uh, and help out with that process.
1: Now what if they are 18 and four days? What if they've now become 18?
0: Sure, but if they're still living at home with their parents, uh, that, that should be no problem at all.
1: Awesome. We did have an email and this was someone wanting to know about Auto license plate fees. Are car license plates, is that part of, you know, that's kind of driving, is that part of public safety?
0: No, ma'am. That's a great question. We get this call quite a bit. Um, I try to remind everybody that the Department of Motor Vehicles is something that you see on TV. They talk about DMV, DMV, DMV. Uh, The state of Mississippi has a DSB, the Driver Service Bureau. So we don't do anything with the vehicles here uh, as far as uh, license plates go we deal with the credentialing for the actual individual for the person itself so the way to think about it is if you're talking about the person whether it be the license the id the gun permit uh, the sex offender registry card the provisional license any of those things are going to come through the driver through the department of public safety and the driver service bureau division when you're talking about the vehicle itself uh, with the exception of salvage vehicles Almost all of that is going to go towards the Department of Revenue.
1: Well, I'll email Ruth back where she can hear her portion of her, her question answered on this show later this afternoon. Let's go to Hattiesburg and talk with Gloria. Gloria, we're glad you've called in to in legal terms today. What's your comment or question?
3: Uh, two short things. I was wondering uh, if the gentleman could explain why they took out the machine where you could just walk up, put in what you need to put in if you're replacing like a lost driver's license or renewal, uh, our, our um, service does not have it anymore and um, that and that appointment situation is just beautiful. Oh, isn't it? Oh, that's a game
1: changer, Gloria. Eric, what a, I've seen those. You, 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 they have like a little curtain that you could stand behind and get your picture taken, and it was a little ATM kiosk thing. But the, those are uh, being taken out. Is that right?
0: Yeah. It, in a nutshell, what happened with those is you know software and 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 hardware obviously has to be updated all the time. Uh, and when those need to be updated, some of those kind of didn't get updated when they should have been. And so we ended up having more problems with the kiosk than, we, than it was actually helping out with. So what we decided to do was let's pull the kiosks out and let's make the line shorter, right? So let's, let's, let's maximize our digital imprint, our footprint out there for everybody to use. So let's, let's push those kiosk functions to the website. Uh, and so basically what you could do with the kiosk, you can do on the website now, uh, and then we shorten those lines in the actual location so you can get the help that you need. What we really ended up having, to be honest with you, was an employee that had to stand by the kiosk and help everybody with the kiosk. And so that really wasn't maximizing efficiency. So it took some leadership to look at that and say, hey, let's really figure out if this is helping or not. Uh, And so I think that's where we are now.
1: Remember, and if you have trouble with uh, things online, ask a family member. Ask somebody from uh, your church or a neighbor, a trusted individual who might help you. This is just Liz Gill's advice. So many things you need to do over the Internet now. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, I hope you have a trusted individual in your life that you uh, feel safe helping you with that. Let's take our last call of the day and go to Florence and speak with Wayne. Wayne, we're glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. We've just got a few minutes left. What's your comment or question? For Eric Brown,
4: I'm surprised that nobody asked this question. But what about the undocumented illegal immigrants driving around in Mississippi? What are they going to do? Uh, they don't get a driver's license. You don't have a, a special one for uh, illegal people.
0: So I'm not going to speak to whether they're here legally or illegally. I don't know the status of that. But what I can say is that the Code of Federal Regulations, which provides us the guidance that we need to determine whether or not we can issue them a credential, lays out a lot of different exceptions there. So it's not only a Social Security card. I say Social Security card because that's what usually applies to most people out there. But that statute that talks about lots of different ways you can use uh, that you can provide that identity that you can excuse me pr- uh, prove that identity and one of those comes through um uh, different uh credentials that are issued to those that have immigrated to the the country legally um so in that in in that case you're going to have someone that's going to be able to provide uh, other documentation other than a social security card some of that comes through um there's different forms, obviously, the Department of Homeland Security and the federal side issues to those people, uh, and they can use that to, to get that real ID.
1: Well, and I'm glad you don't have to, if you're visiting someplace, you don't have to get a driver's license, because I know we've, you know, rented cars overseas or something and had to uh, drive, and we haven't had to get a, a driver's license in other countries if you're just visiting.
0: I have one thing I want everyone to hear, if you don't hear me say anything else, I would like everybody to take out their license and look at the address that's on it. If your address that's on your license is not where you're living right now, you need to go to the Driver Service Bureau and change it, all right? The only way that the Driver Service Bureau and the Department of Public Safety knows to get in touch with you is through mail. And by statute, we're required to do it that way. So if we're sending mail to an address that you no longer live, it's not doing any good. So you need to make sure you update that. That's even if you moved within the state and you just simply live in another county or if you live on another street, you still need to come in and provide that update to the address that's on the license. Uh, That's by statute. It's not really our suggestion. It's more of if you've made a move within 30 days, you're supposed to get that uh, changed so that we know how to get in touch with you, and that's the way we do it.
1: Well, and if you go to ms.gov, you can go online, look to see what all you can do online. You heard Eric Brown say you can make an appointment to go to the DSV, not the DMV, the DSV, but a lot of things you can do online now. Well, this is we're offering Go ahead.
0: Including change your address. Fan- you can change your address online, so that fantastic. doesn't require you to go into the to the place. You can do it online. You can go on there and fill in where you live now, and it can be issued to you, and you'll have no problem at all.
1: Doing it home with your bunny slippers on, but I've seen people with their bunny slippers on at the DSB anyway. Thank <laughs> you so much, Eric Brown, Deputy, or I'm sorry, a General Counsel with the Mississippi Department of Public Safety. This has been a great show. We're all done. Already. Thank you, Michelle McAdoo. Thank you, Java Chapman, for helping us get our show on. For Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.